Welcome to Mysteries to Die For and this toe tag. I am T.G. Wolf, and I'm here with Jack, my piano player and producer, and some really groovy music today. This is normally a podcast where we combine storytelling with original music to put you at the heart of murder, mystery, and mayhem. Today is a bonus episode we call A Toe Tag. It's a first chapter from a fresh release in the mystery, crime, and thriller genre. Today's featured release is The Perfect Brother by Chris Patchell. All right, we're going to jump right in to chapter one. 172 days until graduation, and then she'd get a real job. One that didn't start so damned early. Even God wasn't up yet, Mallory Riggins thought as she eased out of the apartment, locking the door behind her. The wind hissed through the towering pines, sending a damp chill racing through her. Deep shadows fell across the lawn, and not for the first time, she wished the security light mounted to the edge of the house still worked. It was spooky out here alone. Normally, she parked her car in the garage, one of the few luxuries a small apartment carved out of a sprawling duplex offered, but the landlord's son had arrived home last night for an unexpected visit and had parked in her spot, which meant she had to park her rust bucket on the side of the road. The sound of the closing door triggered the landlord's dog. From somewhere up above, Jojo erupted into a barking fit. Mallory cringed. Hush, Jojo, she muttered, hoping the dog wouldn't rouse her roommate. Shelby was already annoyed that after two years, the dog still greeted him as if they were armed intruders. The, docking bar the barking dog had jarred her awake last night, too. Mallory hadn't bothered to see what was causing all the racket. Between her heavy class load, last night's study session, and her new boyfriend, all she needed was to get as much sleep as she could. As much as she would have preferred calling in sick and getting some extra rest, the meager funds in her bank account were already dangerously low, and somehow she still had to make it through the end of the school year. All she had to do was find a job that paid more than minimum wage to cover the rent, utilities, and still have enough money left over to buy food. In, an, in a city as expensive as Vancouver, how hard could that be? Mallory scrambled up the steep hill toward the roadside, her feet sliding in the wet earth. It had stormed overnight. Pine cones and down branches lay scattered across the narrow road, shaken free from the fierce wind. By the time she reached her car, Mallory was shivering, and her day, which already wasn't winning any awards, got a whole lot worse. Pebbles of glass crunched beneath her feet. She stared at her car in dismay. The driver's side window was shattered. The universe had definitely sent her a message. If she had an ounce of common sense, she'd crawl back beneath the covers and just start over. But that wasn't an option. With a broken window to fix, she needed the money from her job even more. Sheathing her hand with the sleeve of her coat, she swept the chunks of glass from the seat and climbed inside her car. Rain had blown in through the broken window. The wet seat soaked through Mallory's jeans. She groaned. She cranked the key and the sputtering engine coughed to life. Lights from the neighboring houses flickered on. The sleepy residential neighborhood was just beginning to stir to life as Mallory drove off. 
The daily grind, with its brick walls, metal stools, and wooden tables, had a homey feel. The earthy scent of freshly roasted beans welcomed her as she pushed through the doors. For the next three hours, this place would be the first stop for every caffeine junkie in a five-mile radius starting out their morning commute. No sooner had she entered the shop when she locked gazes with her boss. There was no denying the fact that she was late. Rather than bellabore the point, Mallory muttered an apology, strapped on her apron, and went to work. Nothing about the morning had gone smoothly so far, so it should have come as no surprise when Mallory fumbled the hot cup of tea. It struck the edge of the countertop, spun around in a cartwheel, and sent a plume of hot water flying. Mallory jumped back, avoiding the worst of the spill, but a few stray drops scalded her forearm. She breathed in a painful hiss and grabbed a rag. Meanwhile, the line tripled in size. Ignoring the painful burn, she pinned a frozen smile and greeted the next customer, Mr. Quad Grande Breve. He was cute with dark hair and kind eyes. The usual, she asked. You always remember, he said with a grin. Toss in an extra shot this morning, please. God knows I can use it. Puffy bags shadowed his dark eyes, and Mallory noticed that the poor guy looked as tired as she felt. A quad grande brave with an extra shot of love for Tim, she called to her boss, Jen, who was working the machines. That'll be $4.10. Uncapping a sharp blackie marker, Mallory jotted the drink order and winced at the sting of the red welt forming on her arm. Are you okay? Tim asked, gesturing toward the angry bird. You should really get that under some cold water. She wasn't so damn busy. She would do just that. But with the lineup curving out the door, she didn't have the time. Tis but a flesh wound, Mallory quipped, making light of the pain. Kind of early for Monty Python, don't you think? Mallory grinned in surprise at his quick pickup on the line. Well, what can I say? So far, it's been a shitty day. My car was broken into last night. The Toyota? Mallory nodded. They smashed the window. That sucks. What did they steal? She shrugged. I'm not sure. I might need to sacrifice a chicken or an eggplant or whatever the universe deems necessary to get back in karma's good graces. Tim chuckled, handing her a stack of $1 coins. Loonies. Mallory made change, which Tim dropped into the tip jar. The coins rang against the glass, and she thanked him with a smile. The next customer in line uttered an impatient sigh. Mallory took the hint. Have a good one, she said to Tim. Hope your day gets better, he said. If you need someone to fix your glass or find a live chicken, I know a guy. He does good work. With the window or the chicken, Mallory smirked. Both. With a friendly wave, Tim was gone, and Mallory took the next order. Dozens of customers later, when the line finally began to subside, something he'd said stuck inside Mallory's mind. Wait, how does he know I drive a Toyota? She muttered the question under her breath. Both Tim and his drink were long gone. Who, Jen asked? Mr. Quad Grande Brave? Any fool with eyes could see he's got a thing for you. No, Mallory said. He's got a girlfriend. Jen snorted. That bitter pill? She wasn't with him this morning. Besides, you know how men are. My ex was on to his third girlfriend before I found out. A single mother with two exes 
Jen never had a nice word to say about anyone. Maybe he's a stalker, Joe the dishwasher said. Joe was an acting student. He was, almost he was always mimicking someone, and this morning it was Arnold Schwarzenegger adapting the line from the movie Kindergarten Cop. Not you too, she groaned. Joe chuckled and slid behind the counter, carrying a fresh tray of washed mugs. Mallory shook her head and took the next order. They were both paranoid. Mr. Quad Grande Brave, Tim, was a nice guy. He always asked how her day was going, and unlike most people she met, he seemed to really care about the answer, and he was always bucked drinks for his girlfriend. Few guys she met at the counter were that considerate. By 10 o'clock, the rush had slowed to a trickle, Mallory tallied her tips and grabbed her purse. Leaving? Gotta run. Class awaits, she said. Do it. Do it now, Joe called after her, still doing the ridiculous Schwarzenegger voice. Mallory rolled her eyes. Hate to break it to you, Joe, but you're a foot and a half too short to make a convincing Arnie. Even with his chest puffed out and stretched to his full height, Joe was an inch or two shorter than she was. If Tom Cruise can play Jack Reacher, why can't I be the Terminator? <laughs> Point taken, she said with a laugh. By the time Mallory left the shop, she'd forgotten all about the burn on her arm and Tim and pretty much everything but school. Sheets of rain blew across the busy street. Mallory pulled up her hood and waited for a break in the traffic. Why couldn't her car have been broken into on a day when it wasn't so blistery? By now, the rain blowing through the busted window, the driver's seat would feel like a wet sponge. The stream of traffic slowed and Mallory dashed across the street. She didn't see the car that streaked around the corner until its headlights hit her square in the eyes. A burst of panic exploded inside her chest and she dodged out of the way. Tripping over the storm range, she crashed onto the ground beside her car, landing on all fours. And that was when Mallory's phone broke. So there you go. That's the first chapter of The Perfect Brother. Uh, the Perfect Brother came out September 27, 2022 from Chris Patchell, Inc. and is available from Amazon and other book retailers. A little bit about Chris. She is an award-winning USA Today bestselling author who started writing to curb homicidal tendencies she experienced during her daily Seattle commute. Over the years, she has written numerous popular books and series, including bestsellers, Deadly Lies, In the Dark, and her most recent collection of small-town crime novellas, the Lacey James series. Along the way, her writing has won several awards, including a 2022 Next Generation Indie Book Award, an Indie Reader Discovery Award, and a Pacific Northwest Literary Award. Connect with Chris through her newsletter to learn about her latest works and author happenings. Sign up on her website at uh, www.chrispatchell, that's P-A-T-C-H-E-L-L.com. The link is in the show notes. From September 26th through October 21, 2022, The Perfect Brother is on tours with Partner in Crime. Again, check out the show notes for the tour link with more content and information. So now we're ready for my review. Dun, da, da, da. So this story is made up of two parts. The first part is suspense and the second part is amateur sleuth. 
It is hard to summarize this one without giving too much away, so I checked to see what Chris put on the back cover to make sure I wasn't giving away more than she was. So if I were to summarize the suspense part of it, I would come up with something like this. In a university area of Vancouver, a college co-ed, Katie Lord, disappeared during a run. Flyers are up everywhere, and the cops like her fiancé for it. Mallory Riggins isn't thinking about Katie when she discovers her driver's side window is shattered. She's not thinking about anything except to pay for the repair, which is too bad. She really should. Do you like that, Jack? <laughs> yeah. That was a good suspense summary, right? That, yeah. Okay, here, here's the mystery version summary. Amar Saraf is a college professor his students call Dr. Hadi. He is admired by his students and is the apple of his parents' eye. Indira is his brilliant younger sister who bucks tradition and her parents at every turn. But even she admits Amar is the perfect brother, which is why when Amar is arrested for the murder of his lover, Indira puts her software engineering skills to work to catch a killer. Do you like that one? That was, that was pretty interesting too. So now let's compare the perfect brother to both the perfect suspense and the perfect amateur sleuth. So the strengths of this story, uh, when you look at the first half of the book, the elements of suspense really is driven by seeing snippets of character lives. The, the normal, the uncomfortable, the imperfect, but not really knowing how they all fit together. Uh, Ms. Patchell does an excellent job of ensuring you bite your fingernails. Now, once the victim is dead and the perfect brother arrested, again, not a spoiler because it's on the back cover, the story is taken over by Indira Saraf, a very talented software engineer who has crazy mad IT skills. So while the first half of the story evolves sort of on its own, Indira, she really drives the second half. She is the catalyst that moves her brother's case forward and she pushes it in unexpected directions. The characters are really well done. Definitely Indira is the hero of the story. Um, she's not only easy to like, she's very easy to respect. Uh, like any good detective, she has her supporting cast, each of whom plays a critical role in the outcome. I have to admit that I haven't read many other stories or any other stories that are set in uh, Indian Canadian culture. So it makes us a night's departure from the usual. The role of family and the pressures on both males and females added to the complexity of the story in a way that was natural and complementary. The story is cleanly written with really no typos or other distractions. So where did I feel it fell short of ideal? Looking front to back, this is an excellent suspense turn mystery. I really did enjoy reading this one. Looking back to front, as everybody knows I love to do, there are questions about the, quote, bad guy's motivations, and some actions aren't fully explained. The story doesn't give us the killer's confession at the end, you know, that Scooby-Doo wrap-up, uh -huh. to allow us to see for ourselves when things were done and why things were done. So we're left with the reasoning from Indira and the police, which leaves gaps. They're not big ones, and they're... From experience, they're not ones anybody but people like me who like to dissect puzzles because it's fun uh, would really trip over. One pet peeve I feel the need to whine about. Indira has an awesome dog named Hazel, who she is constantly leaving for extended periods of time. 
I can't be the only person who reads that someone is staying overnight and thinks, what about the dog? Go ahead, cat people, roll your eyes. I know you're doing it. So the bottom line is the perfect brother is for you if you like suspense, dynamic amateur sleuths, and stories where technology is an integral part of detecting. So that is the perfect brother. Pick it up and read it, and then uh, drop a review for Chris. Those really do mean a lot to authors. All right, Jack, the floor is yours. Why, thank you. <laughs>